Welcome again to Knowing God with Heart and Mind, the virtual church classroom Bible book study at Shiloh United Methodist Church in Jasper, Indiana. I'm Pastor Dan, I'm joined by my beautiful daughter Bethany, and this is episode 34 of the Mere Christianity book study, the book by C.S. Lewis, known as Jack by his friends, and we are at the last episode. We've reached it. This is the end of the book, end of this series of studies. We'll start something new after this. It's weird. I feel like we just birthed a baby or something. It's true. We, we've built a house or something because we've been working on it a long time. Uh-huh. And uh, we are um, uh, really just thrilled with the response to this study as, uh, as far as, you know, the anecdotal Occasional comment from a person at church, we still would love to hear from you in a more tactile way, but, well, that didn't come out right because that's <laughs> tactile. I better shut up before I stick my other foot in my mouth. Anyway. In any case, we are at episode 34, book four, chapter 11, and it is called The New Man, or New Men. And uh, so, without further ado, we'll just jump right in here. In this final chapter, Lewis discusses two ways in which new men might come into existence. The first way is the modern man's way of Darwinian evolution through uh, mutations via cosmic rays being filtered by natural selection Mm -hmm. and the eventual production of the next step or what imaginative writers called the Superman. We will not bother with that way. If you want to know more, look in the appendix to the Bible study by Mm -hmm. Dr. Urban. So the second way is the Christian view. It sees that the next step or new men have already appeared, but this change is not evolution because It has not risen from a natural process, but from something coming into nature from the outside. So, Lewis lists five other characteristics of the Christian view. Mm -hmm. He says, it is not carried out by sexual reproduction. Mm -hmm. He says that unlike most natural processes that just happen, to living organisms, which don't have much choice in the matter. Yeah. It is voluntary insofar as we can refuse what God has offered us. Mm -hmm. He says the new spiritual life, or zoe, is not transmitted by heredity, but by good infection Mm -hmm. from Christ, who is the first instance of the new men. He says the speed of this next step, rather than a slow, gradual change, has been like a flash of lightning, Mm -hmm. and we are still only at the infant stage. And finally, he says that the last characteristic, maturing, has multiple points and is worth looking at in more detail. Yes. So. I, I did really like when he was talking about the speed part. He said that if this is still infancy, he said, well, I hope it's still infancy because if we're still the early Christians then all of the division and nonsense that's gone on in the last 2000 years is just like teething pains. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. I like that. And, and honestly, 
<laughs> all we have to do is look at the tumult that occurs in a two or three year old. Exactly. Where your beautiful, sweet, innocent baby suddenly is replaced in the middle of the night by aliens. <laughs> And this monster has been put in their image <laughs> in your same home. It's That's how it seems anyway. And it's affectionately referred to as the terrible twos. But, you know, um, they that would explain a lot. So, until we rise to follow Christ, what are we, according to Jack? Well, he says that we're still part of nature like the general world um and like we we haven't taken the next step yet so we're still we're still just the result of everything that's had an impact on us in the world yeah 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 i mean we're i mean you know from your psychological training you know we are the way we were wired before yeah. we got here, so to speak, you, you're but born, also, you're born with certain things, and then you're the product of other things, right? Yeah, not all. I mean, if you're going with psychology, not everybody believes that, but I believe it's a mix. So and I believe it as a parent. You're born with certain ingrained traits, but you're also a product of what you've been exposed to. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's what Jack is saying is that before you take that next step, really anything that you think makes up you can be explained by something outside of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, you know, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, as a parent, you, you know, I, I can tell you that I saw certain characteristics of your personality that have proven to be just part of who you are Mm -hmm. when you were an infant Mm -hmm. and same thing with your siblings i've seen each of them uh as infants demonstrating certain parts of their personality and they've proven to be central to who you are Mm -hmm. and yet there's also the the decisions you make and the uh i'm going to say muscle memory that comes from all the experiences Mm -hmm. you have and so you just have a tendency to be, um, not want to say permanently, but profoundly influenced by aspects of your life. Absolutely. You know, and so so much so that you would forget why you always respond the way you do to certain things. Mm-hmm. And then that gets into sociology, which is my bailiwick, you know, because you get into this whole thing of, of what are norms, mm-hmm. you know. And to me, without the Bible, there are no norms. They're just agreed upon cultural things, you know. Um, So anyway, um, the risen new men are now dotted all over the earth, and some are already recognizable because of what? (laughs) What are they like? Well, I love this. He says, like, their faces are different, like, they, they're radiant, and that they're, they're the people that, you, like, they don't draw attention to themselves, and you think you're being nice to them, but they're actually the ones being kind to you, which mm-hmm. I think is great. <laughs> um, they, like, they just radiate love and kindness and strength, and you're drawn to them, 
but you always think you're doing something for them because they don't need you that, but they don't need you that much. And they're actually doing something for you and you just don't realize it because of how they are. I was just thinking I'd like so to, I'd like to be that guy. I know. <laughs> I really wish I could be that guy. I think that guy is Jesus. Yeah. So. So how is losing ourselves just... to become new men like being exposed to light and or salt? Yeah, he... I just heard a sermon about this recently. I didn't. I was down in the attic. Wow. Well, not down, down in the in attic. Down in the attic. That's so funny to people who are listening. I was down at kids' church, nurture time. Yeah, yeah. So... So she's saying, she's basically acknowledging that it was my sermon that was on salt and light last Sunday. <laughs> so anyway, I wasn't yeah. there for that. So. Anyway, he, so he, he uses this illustration of like, if you, if you meet a group of people who have always lived in the dark and never been exposed to light, and if you tell them that when they step into, like, you're going to show them light and when they step into it, they'll be able to see all kinds of things about themselves that they hadn't seen before, um, because the light would reflect and that would be what we call visible, then they would probably imagine they, that it's that since they're all receiving the same light, then and they're all reflecting it, they're all reacting in the same way, they would probably imagine that they would all look alike. Right. Even though we know that once the light is exposed, they're going to see all kinds of differences between them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he says the same thing with salt. Like if you, if somebody's never had salt in their cooking and you say, oh, well, this will make everything taste so much better, but you have them taste the salt first, they're going to taste it and go, how is that going to make anything better? It's going to make everything taste like that super strong. And mm-hmm. because they don't understand that salt actually brings out so much in cooking. Mm-hmm. And they're right that if you add too much, that's, true. that's all it's going to taste like. But, um, so he says, like, that's that's the same thing with, like, we're not going to be, we're not going to lose ourselves. Ourselves are going to be vastly improved in a way we can't imagine because we haven't been exposed to it before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, it really comes back to what I've always referred to as a leap of faith. Um Sometimes the only thing that's keeping people from really fully entering into the kingdom of Christ is fear of what they're leaving behind, mm-hmm. fear about what they're leaving behind. They, they're they afraid they're going to lose something that they don't want to give up, mm-hmm. and so they won't commit to Christ. And then the leap of faith comes when you realize that there's a chance that Christ is inviting you to something better than what you're giving up. Or he's inviting you to experience what you thought you were giving up enhanced by salt and light. Yeah. You know, and and you have to believe him. You have to take him at his word. If he says, come, enter into my kingdom, join me in my rest, and then know that whatever it is you're afraid of losing, you either didn't want as bad as you thought, or you won't want it once you see what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to see what you thought you were giving up made better. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, and it's true. I mean, um, I remember a conversation a long, long time ago when I was 
pretty new at this whole sharing your faith thing. And I was talking with a lady who was a marvelous pianist, and 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 she just said, I don't want to give it up for Jesus. And that's my problem. That's what's holding me back is, is I love this piano. I love playing the piano. I love making music, and I just fear giving it up. And and I said, well, you know, there's no guaranteeing that he's going to ask you to give it up. In fact, it's everything, is every possibility that he wants to use your gift for his glory. And it may be that it becomes a greater expression of your gift than you could have ever conceived of, that you might someday find that you play with more joy and with more skill and your craft is enhanced by the Holy Spirit so that there's something going on there that you couldn't have done on your own. And, mm-hmm. and in that way, the, it's been given salt and light, mm-hmm. you know, and I never heard how that turned out, but I wouldn't tell the story 40 years later if it wasn't for the fact that I think even 40 years ago, I was right about something. B- believe me, 40 years ago, I probably was right about one thing and that was it, <laughs> you know. Forty years ago, I don't think I was right about very many things, but I was right about that. So, anyway. So, Lewis claims there are no real personalities other than in God, and until we give ourselves up to Him, we will not have a real life, mm-hmm. a real self. So, will getting a real self just make us all the same? No. Because he says that the real personalities come from God. And that, like... I think I just illustrated yeah. it without meaning to. He Well, I, I really, I put a star next to this because he says, how monotonously alike all the great tyrants and conquerors have been, how gloriously different are the saints. It's true. So... And what do all of the tyrants of the world demand? The uniformity, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Chairman Mao back in the 60s and 70s, you know, he had a standard uniform that everyone in society was to wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, wearing blue jeans would get you executed in China back in those mm-hmm. days. Every boy, everybody wore a certain uniform and it had the little star on it and everything mm-hmm. on the hat, you know, and, and, and there was this total conformity. Yeah. And, you know... Stalin did the same thing. Hitler wanted to build an Aryan race. He wanted to eliminate everybody that didn't conform. Mm -hmm. You know, not only are they predictable and consistent, but what they want is always the same. Yeah. And I got to say, if you look at our society today, if you're looking for signs of where the devil's at work, and I'm not naming any parties or anything, I'm just saying, if you want to look for signs where the devil is at work, Devil is at work wherever uniform uh, conformity is expected, and there will be dire consequences if you don't. If if people say we all have to do this the same way, we all have to be alike. Mm-hmm. There can't be any diversity. We have to be one. We have to be you know like like when you see people demanding conformity mm-hmm. and and uniformity. And proposing dire consequences for those who don't conform and wear the uniform, you're seeing the devil at work. Absolutely. You really are. And you have to be able to recognize that. Um, 
and you know the old saying that, that says absolute power corrupts absolutely um, it couldn't be more true mm-hmm. so the beautiful thing about Christ's kingdom is is that it will be a kingdom of individuals who are more fully alive and more fully themselves than they could have ever imagined possible and it is like the artist who who now does the art that is an imitation of Christ and actually does it for the glory of Christ it will change yeah like salt and light changes things mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty powerful stuff. Well, that's it. That's the end. We hit the end of the book. We have reached the last chapter of the book. Um, I think it's altogether appropriate that at this time I should give credit where credit is due. We have been using the Mere Christianity Study Guide a Bible study on the C.S. Lewis book, Mere Christianity. And it was prepared and written and delivered by Stephen Urban. And so I commend that to you. I recommend that you look up Mr. Urban's works online. Uh, It's brownchairbooks.com. And we will be using a brown chair books uh, Bible study when we begin recording our study by Mr. Urban of It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. that movie that we all love at Christmas time by Frank Capra. And if you don't love, we're going to make you love it because we're going to do a study about it. <laughs> but if you don't love it, I just, well, I don't know what to think. Well, thank you, friends for bearing with us as we have explored this book together for these 34 episodes. Mm -hmm. And thank you for the honor of taking our thoughts and words seriously. We will appreciate your feedback, as always, and hope to hear from you, if only to tell us who you are and where you're listening from. But, uh, you know, if you'd like to give us a review or something we'd be ideas for the future you know we would be grateful for that and you might suggest some things for future use um, for study but uh, believe it or not there's nothing new to say now we've said it all about this book that mm-hmm. we can and just want to recommend that you read other works by c.s lewis mm-hmm. um i've i've had people tell me you know like like one of my favorite c.s lewis books is the great divorce and I've had some people tell me that they had a really tough time with that. It's a harder one to read. And maybe we should do the Great Divorce book. Maybe that's the one I was trying to remember. Um, because because it's, a, it's a really good story of, you know, like, like Jack starts the book by saying, now look, first thing I want you to understand is, is I'm not telling you that this is what I think heaven is like. I'm just using this metaphor as a way to describe the entire Christian journey, even after death. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty remarkable. And honestly, I think a lot of people, a lot of faithful Christians, want to have a better understanding and a, at least a, a sort of peace in their mind about what what's next. And this seems to give some pretty terrific insights. But, you know, it's it's written... 
in his times, mm-hmm. and it uses language and cultural references that are are you know English cultural references from the 1930s and 40s, basically. And so you kind of have to imagine a double-decker red bus taking people to the certain point along the way. And you have to imagine the characters that he's describing as being entirely British. And that is a bit of an issue if you're not a... Uh, Anglophile, like some of us, you know. But anyway, I would commend all of his books to you. I don't think you'll find one disappointing. Uh, obviously, if you haven't read um, the series, uh, the Chronicles, the of Chronicles of Narnia series, that would be fun. You know, you're going to see something there that that is profound. I think, but I'm, I'm a little wonderful. biased. Yeah. That could be interesting, too. That would take a while, though. You know, we'd be doing that one for like three years. I mean, that's fine. I haven't read it recently. Yeah. In the last couple of years, so. I just finished it last summer, so. <laughs> anyway, I think it's time to tell our friends goodbye. So, I want to thank you for listening. You want to check us out online, visit shilohum.org. That's S-H-I-L-O-H-U-M dot org. And, of course, you can get the app in the App Store. Just look up Shiloh Jasper, and you can visit us on Facebook. But thanks for going through this book with us, and I hope that you have been blessed. And we will see you with a new study next time. So God bless you, and goodbye. Bye.